I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Have you ever been on a, a team that was a 28 or 29 point underdog? And how do you kind of... What, you talking about when I played? As a player, as a coach? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Never been underdog like that. You know, but it happens. You know, it happens. What, what does that say? I mean, when, the, when the odds makers pick you guys like that? I don't know. I mean, it means they think they're four touchdowns better than you. I, that's, what they, that's, what, that's what they're saying. You know, but you still got to kick the football off. You still got to kick the ball off. We got to go out. We got to play top, at, at a top level. We gotta, like you said, we got to play 60 minutes. But we're not going to back down. We're not going to back down. We're not going to say, oh, we're going to throw the towel in. These kids won't do that. These coaches won't do that. We're not going to do that. That was Nebraska head coach Mickey Joseph on being nearly a 30-point underdog to Michigan and Ann Arbor this weekend. Credit to Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald for the line of questioning there. And, of course, this is not something that Joseph ever experienced during his playing career as a player at Nebraska. Nobody was favored over Nebraska like that back then. As an assistant at LSU, that wasn't something the Tigers were dealing with either during Mickey's time in Baton Rouge. You probably have to go back to Joseph's stint with another group of Tigers, Grambling, to find a team he was part of being a bigger underdog. In 2015, Grambling played Cal in the opener as a 43-point dog. Somewhat expected, right? That's your standard issue FCS versus FBS money game. But nearly 30 points between not just conference foes, but two of the winningest programs of all time? It's unusual. By number, it's probably the biggest spread Nebraska has faced since joining the Big Ten. In 2017, Ohio State was a 24-point favorite in Lincoln. Figure the Huskers were getting three points as the home team there. And that makes the Buckeyes a 27-point favorite on a neutral field. Figure Michigan is getting three points this week as the home team. And that would make the Wolverines 26.5-point favorites on a neutral field. Point is, maybe the biggest favorite race is Buckeyes by a neck. But this line certainly stands out in Nebraska's history. Maybe, however, it can be a bookend for this most recent era of Nebraska football. Remember the last time the Huskers went to Ann Arbor in 2018? It was Scott Frost's third game as Nebraska's coach. The Huskers were 18-point underdogs then, and the game was over after three drives. Frost said then that he honestly believed this was, quote, bottom, unquote, for Nebraska. 
looked like he was right for the rest of 2018. But we know now it wasn't bottom. We're not ready to beat a team like this yet. But the key word is yet, Frost said after that game. Yet never arrived. Four and a half years later, Nebraska's nearly a 30-point dog going to Michigan. Frost is gone. Whether under Joseph or someone else, Husker football will begin a new era in the weeks ahead. But first, it might have to get another glimpse of how long the road ahead might be. You're listening to the IAD Preview, Huskers Wolverines edition. I'm Hale Varsity Managing Editor Brandon Vogel. Let's talk some football. We will open the first half this week with a look look back at last week's game, and more specifically, the keys to the game as identified on this show. Number one, for beating the Gophers. I thought Nebraska had to hold Minnesota to a 40% success rate or lower. Nebraska came really close. Minnesota had a 44% success rate for the game. But it, the Huskers were way under that in the first half, building a, a 10-0 lead at halftime. That said, the, the second half domination was enough for the Gophers to seize control of a game Nebraska had controlled to that point. Only two teams, well, no wait, three teams held Minnesota under 40% going into last Saturday. All three of them won. Nebraska came up a little short and came up a little short on the scoreboard as well. Key number two, I thought 25-plus pass attempts for Tanner Morgan was going to be a good sign. And indeed, the game sort of flipped when Morgan went out. He took a big hit from Ty Robinson and did not play in the second half. At that point, Minnesota had zero points. It would score 20 points over the final 30 minutes. Morgan wasn't quite on pace for 25-plus pass attempts. He was 6 of 8 at halftime. But things were trending that direction. Uh, Nebraska hadn't necessarily controlled the clock. It did in the first quarter, not so in the second quarter. Time of possession was about equal going into halftime. But it certainly made Minnesota uncomfortable. The fact that backup quarterback, Ethan Kaliakmanis, only had to throw 12 passes to lead Minnesota to those 20 second half points sort of tells the story there. Minnesota took back control of the game. He did it slowly, didn't do it in a big kind of freaky, fluky way. And Nebraska couldn't do much to stop it. Defensively, you know, Mickey Joseph said as much this week leading up to Michigan. He, he said the defense played lights out. Maybe it wasn't quite that strong, but I could go with it if, if you wanted to, to talk me into it a little bit. I mean, really, you're looking at that third quarter where Minnesota, I think, had the ball for more than 11 minutes. And I at least look at it and said, man, if Nebraska could have gotten just one or two more first downs offensively, you have a chance to really kind of disrupt the way that that game unfolded in the second half. And it basically had to unfold that way for, for Minnesota. So they were able to keep it under. 25 pass attempts between two quarterbacks and thus they despite being down 10 nothing kind of were able to to stay in a relative comfort zone third key for me this one hurts uh because it was so straightforward and simple and nebraska did it uh the third key was to have a lead after the first quarter 10 nothing nebraska at the end of the first quarter 
Nothing changed in the second quarter. It was 10-0 at halftime. Going into this game, P.J. Fleck at Minnesota was 2-19 when trailing after the first quarter, 2-21 when trailing at the half. Odds were good. <laughs> if you could, you could get an early lead on Minnesota, uh, it was going to stick. Didn't stick for Nebraska. And now we're on to Michigan week. We'll start there with the opening line on this game. Uh, you probably have a good sense of about where it's at based on the intro to the show, but Circus Sports on Sunday afternoon opened this at Michigan minus 29. Most places midweek, it was up to just 29. Just. It was up to 29 and a half. So not a ton of movement there. The power rankings this week uh, from, from ESPN, the two different sets that we always look at, SP+. Plus currently rates Michigan as the third best team in the country with a rating of 28.1. Nebraska still holding on to just a little bit above average, which would be a a rating of zero. The Huskers rating is 0.5, which ranks 71st. Do the math on that with a two and a half point home field advantage. And Michigan is minus 30.1, according to SP+. FPI. Not drastically different. It, it rates Michigan fourth nationally with a rating of 23.5. Nebraska here is under that zero mark. So minus 2.1, which ranks 75th. So not much difference from SP plus at all uh, with these two teams. But the numbers differ a little bit. This one, FPI would have Michigan minus 28.1 uh, going into Saturday. We'll flip now to key players on each side of this this matchup, and then we'll begin with the Wolverines. Number one, uh, <laughs> I think this makes three straight weeks where we highlight a big-time Big Ten running back, and yeah, Michigan has one of those two. Maybe as, as good as Chase Brown and Muhammad Ibrahim were for Illinois and Minnesota, respectively, Corum might be even more dynamic. Uh, he's already rushed for uh, 900. Well, he's over a thousand yards, but this is the third straight week. Nebraska has faced a running back coming in. Who's already rushed for at least 950. Um, Coram's averaging 5.96 yards per carry this season. That's what makes him, I think a little bit, maybe more dangerous than, than Chase Brown and Muhammad Ibrahim, both great backs, but kind of a more, I guess, old school big 10 approach there those guys carry the ball a ton uh they just grind it out blake corum he'll he'll hit you for some big runs so nebraska of course has to be aware of him number two for michigan go with edge rusher mike morris he's third in the big 10 with 10 and a half tackles for loss that includes seven sacks which ranks second in the league one of the big questions for me from last year's michigan team was how it was going to replace that elite kind of edge rusher outside linebacker talent it had and so far morris has been a big part of the answer for that based on those numbers third for michigan we'll go with cornerback dj turner he leads the wolverines with seven pass breakups also has an interception every nebraska game i think post purdue has sort of started for me with who's going to defend Trey Palmer. Illinois and Minnesota had, had answers. 
Michigan does too. And that answer is probably DJ Turner. Flip this over to Nebraska, where how any opponent answers the Trey Palmer question might have a lot to do with, with who's playing quarterback. At the time of this recording, that remains up in the air for the Huskers on Saturday. So I'm going to go with what seems the most likely, and that is Casey Thompson might not be able to go, which takes us back to the quarter, quarterback controversy that unfolded in the second half of last week's game, Purdy or Smothers. My first key player to watch for me or for this game is going to be quarterback Logan Smothers, which I think tells you where I uh, came down on on this battle. Nebraska has a choice to make as far as quarterback, as far as what it wants to do offensively. And I think that choice should probably be Smothers. The sample size is small for him and Chubba Purdy for, for that matter. But in terms of expected points added, which is just a EPA as a, a way of measuring how much a quarterback or any player, you could do this for really any position outside of maybe the offensive line, how much their play, whether it be a completion, whether it be a scramble, whether it be a sack is or is not contributing to the expected points on that drive from the following play. Uh, a positive number is, is what you want there. Smothers on the whole has added value to Nebraska's drives. He's got a positive average EPA Purdy at this point does not. And, and not that that's a magic stat or anything like that, but you go back and you, the coaches have said what they say about Purdy for a reason. And we know that Mark Whipple, you know, kind of takes a pass first approach i get all that with three games left where nebraska is going to be an underdog in probably all three um you might just have to go with something that's a little bit more intangible i think smothers kind of provides those but on top of that if you want something that is closer to tangible the epa numbers are telling me that what what i have seen on the field between those two quarterbacks isn't isn't a lie. Uh, I think Smothers gives them a slightly better chance while neither of them probably raise this offense offense's ceiling any in the way that Casey Thompson would. Second key player for Nebraska is going to be another one who is also potentially going to be not forced into duty, but have an opportunity based on uh, circumstances beyond his control. Starting safety Miles Farmer is out for this game after he was arrested and cited on suspicion of DUI over the weekend. That paves the way for Phelan Sanford. Uh, the Hastings College transfer, which as a Hastings College alum, I absolutely have to have to note that. Um, Sanford's played in 21 straight games over the past two seasons, primarily on special teams where he's quite good, but special teams of the ilk that he plays is always kind of easy to miss. Um, he's intriguing. Might be one of the best overall athletes on the team. Now he gets a full-time shot in the secondary against a, well, against a top five team in the country. So it'll be a big ask, but I'm, I'm excited to, to see 
how he plays given the the circumstances and kind of the magnitude of not just the opportunity but the opponent as well third for me this week i'm going to go with defensive lineman ty robinson as i mentioned earlier he had a a really strong pass rush that resulted in a totally clean sack of morgan that ended up forcing him from the game which ended up maybe benefiting minnesota more than it benefited nebraska but you didn't know that then um after recording one and a half tackles for loss over Nebraska's first five games, Robinson has one and a half over the last four. Um, so maybe maybe he's rounding into form here a little bit. I think you can make the argument he's gotten better as the season has gone along. I don't know if he's still reached probably the level that Nebraska needed him to as one of the lone experienced players on that defensive front this season but so it went um can't worry about what happened in the past uh what we're looking for is something in the future and plainly put nebraska's d-line is going to it's going to have to hold up in this game if if the husker is going to have a chance so robinson ends up at number three for me and that'll take us to halftime of the show this week here This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here's meteorologist Rusty Dawkins with Saturday's forecast for the 2.30 p.m. kickoff in Ann Arbor. You can follow Rusty at Husker Weather on Twitter and check HaleVarsity.com throughout the week for weather updates. Hi there, everybody. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins for Hale Varsity. This is the I-80 preview podcast forecast. We're headed to Michigan. Now, in November, that's not necessarily the best thing in the world. It, it, Ann Arbor is one of those spots that... Uh, can, anything can happen. We've got lakes surrounding them. You've got Lake Michigan to the west, uh, Lake Huron to the north, and Lake Erie just off to the east. Right next to Detroit, just to the north is Canada, where all the cold air lives and tries to come down here and visit every now and then. So Ann Arbor can be one of those spots where you can see snow, you can see rain, you can see cold. Warm is not typical in November, December, January, but the average high is right around 50, so that's not bad, but we're not going to get there. I think temperatures will be a little chilly for the game. Now, if you're doing any tailgating in Ann Arbor, Michigan on Saturday, 
At 8 a.m., mostly cloudy skies, temperatures in the middle and maybe the lower 30s, a bit of a northwest breeze at 5 to 10 or 15 miles per hour. By 10 a.m., we'll see those mostly cloudy skies hang on, uh, a little warmer getting into the upper 30s, but a northwest wind starts to pick up a little bit at 10 to 20 miles per hour. And by noon, that should be blowing around at 10 to 25 miles per hour. Temperatures pretty close to 40 degrees and uh, mostly cloudy skies. Now a chance that a little rain-snow mix starts to kick in in the afternoon. I think by kickoff we'll see that chance for mixed precipitation. Temperatures around 40 with a northwest wind at 10 to 25 miles per hour. By halftime, still that rain, maybe snow mix with temperatures right around 40. I think the better chance will be for a little light rain blowing around with that northwest wind. Really not a very nice day. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of wind, temperatures on the chilly side, and a little bit of light mixed precipitation. That may just change over to a little light snow by the end of the game with temperatures dropping into the lower and middle 30s. That northwest wind starts to calm down a little bit out of the northwest at 10 to 20 miles per hour and a little light snow, otherwise mostly cloudy skies. Uh, for any kind of updates, you can always follow my social media pages, Husker Weather for all Husker Weather forecasts on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you can also follow my Rusty WX, that's my personal one, and all the Hale Varsity channels and website. Go Big Red. We'll get the second half underway here with a startling realization. Did you realize that Michigan football has only lost two games since the start of the 2021 season? And one of those was to Georgia, eventual national champion in 2021. Think about that for a second from a Nebraska perspective. Jim Harbaugh entered last season having agreed to it cut his salary basically in half and agreeing to hire new coordinators. It had all the makings of, we'll give you another year if you do these things, but these things almost never work. Sound familiar? In this case, however, those things did work. The Wolverines picked fourth in division last year, won the Big Ten, and they might be even better this year. That's what the numbers say, at least. So how does Nebraska give itself a chance to win on Saturday? Here are three key areas I'll be keeping an eye on. Key number one, nothing fancy, just a thing good teams do. The most impressive thing about Michigan so far in my eyes is that it has won completely all season long. Postgame win probabilities, a number I like to look at, basically takes the box score and says, with these numbers, this team has won X percent of football games over Y number of years. You're basically modeling it and saying, okay, if you outgain your opponent by this much, if you have this many first downs to that many, here's the turnover margin, all of that stuff. And you can just say, well, if you do this, normally you win that amount of time. This used to be a maddening stat for Nebraska fans if they happened across it because in losses, the Huskers would often have games that teams with nearly the same numbers Nebraska put up were winning 65 to 70% of the time. In fact, it was like one of the only good things you could say about the Frost era. And <laughs> cumulatively, it became a little bit maddening because normally you'll, you'll have some of those in the course of a season where it's just like, oh yeah, we outgained our opponent and we're better on third down, but we're minus two in turnovers or <laughs> minus eight yards on average in starting field position, something like that. 
where you can say, oh yeah, most of the time you'd win this, but it's understandable why you don't. That was the majority of Nebraska's games, which was a bizarre thing because you do eventually expect those things to, to even out a bit. Not the case for the, the Huskers circa 2018 to September of 2022, at least. Michigan has had no such issues on that front this year. Its lowest postgame win probability this season was 95% against Iowa. The game before that, it only managed 90, where's my number here? I lost it. 98% against Maryland in a 34-2017 win over the Terps. Maryland, Maryland is the only team this season, A, to score more than 17 points against Michigan, and B, keep the margin within seven points or fewer. But what postgame win probability is telling you there with a 98% in favor of Michigan is that eh, the score might have been a little bit closer than it actually seemed. That's been Michigan's season to this point. 98% against Maryland, 95% against Iowa. All of its other games so far, they're 9-0, and have been 100% victories based on this model. So what did those two teams, Maryland and Iowa, do to rest at least a couple of measly percentage points away from the dominant Wolverines? Nothing magical, as Bo Pelini used to say. They just won a few more plays than average. Maryland has a success rate of 50.7%. That's overall, all plays. And Iowa had a success rate of 43.7%. Every other opponent this year has failed to hit 35%, as the Wolverines rank 7th nationally with a 32.4% success rate allowed. Nebraska is going to have to be over 40% to have a shot in this game. It's averaging 43.8 on the season coming in. That said, Mickey Joseph said this week, uh, this Michigan team is, is the best team Nebraska has played to this point and is probably the best team Nebraska will face all season. So getting to even your season average would be a, a monumental achievement in this one. But trying to hit even a couple points off that trying to get to that 40% mark where Maryland and Iowa kind of sort of gave themselves a chance against Michigan is part of the reason that Smothers could be interesting in this game. Maybe he can't make all the throws in practice that Purdy can make. You just kind of got to take the coach's word on that, right? It's going to take something beyond what you'd normally expect to win against a four touchdown underdog to win as a four touchdown underdog anyway. Smothers might re- represent the biggest curveball Nebraska has to throw. If the Huskers don't have Thompson's passing availability or passing ability available, the big play route through the air might not be there anyway. If staying on schedule is the primary je- objective, and it has to be in a game like this in particular, Smothers and what he adds to the handoff run game seem like the best chance to do it to me sitting here at a chair at my desk of course i don't get paid to do this but uh well i don't get paid to call plays i get play i get paid to do this podcast um but that's 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 a separate topic you get what i mean um from my perspective just sitting here looking at what's kind of kept teams close what hasn't um 
you got to be able to run the football against a team like Michigan that wants to do the same to you. What's your best chance to, to do that at a efficient enough level to give yourself a chance. Having watched Nebraska struggle to run the football for really most of the season. And that's through not much fault of Anthony Grant. Um, he's been remarkably good given, uh, how much room he has had or rather hasn't had to run. But I think Smothers can, with his running ability, can maybe help. And there's nothing in his passing ability based on what we saw against Minnesota that makes me think there's anything other than Thompson that's night and day better than him. So is Nebraska under a backup quarterback capable of playing downhill against a team like this? I don't know. But it seems like the first checkpoint the Huskers have to reach without a success rate of at least 40%. uh, This one probably unfolds the way the opening line would lead you to believe it would. Key number two, make your chances count. Nebraska only has 22 points total over its last two games. Things aren't getting any easier over the remaining three. It's entirely possible, likely in fact, that Nebraska won't score 100 points combined over its final five games this season, two of which have already been played. Combined, the Huskers' final three opponents, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, are giving up 15.7 points per game, meaning you could expect Nebraska to score 47 points total through the end of November. Needless to say, Nebraska's going to need more than basically 16 points to win on Saturday. But here's a faint glimmer of hope, maybe. While Michigan is a strong defense, it's closer to average once teams cross into Wolverine territory. The Wolverines are allowing 3.5 points per drive on possessions that cross the Michigan 40. That's 41st nationally. Four tends to be about average, so they're still above average, but compared to where a lot of their other defensive numbers land, this stands out as kind of a, I guess, relative or comparative weakness. Maryland, in its seven-point loss to the Wolverines, went three for three in the red zone, scoring three touchdowns. Iowa, in its 27-14 loss, was two for three in the red zone with two touchdowns. Note, only three three red zone opportunities isn't a whole lot. Um, that said, Maryland and Iowa, again, comparatively speaking, kept things closer than most by maximizing those opportunities. In all likelihood, Nebraska is going to need more than four red zone trips in this game. Probably needs to convert 75% of whatever that number ends up being into touchdowns to have a shot. So that's the number I'll be watching, both frequency and getting touchdowns instead of field goals out of the red zone. It's hard to move the ball on this Michigan defense, but if a team does, limiting points on scoring opportunities might be a relatively relative weakness with this very good Wolverine defense. Key number three this week, make Blake back up. The Blake we're talking about here, of course, is running back Blake Corum. He's averaging nearly six yards per carry, and his top backup, Donovan Edwards, is averaging 6.7. There's nothing too fancy about how Michigan has engineered the run it's currently on. 
but it might be refreshing in its nostalgia. The Wolverines just run the ball better than almost anyone they play. Michigan wins in the trenches, which, for all of the talent Ohio State has, makes the Wolverines an at least interesting foil for the Buckeyes yet again this season. For Nebraska's defense, limiting the damage on the ground is easy enough to identify as important, much harder to actually implement. Similar to the last two weeks, the Huskers have to prepare to tackle a good Big Ten running back and then never get tired of doing it because the opponent will ask you to do it again and again. Most of those runs for Michigan are going to gain yards. Maryland allowed 243 yards rushing on 40 carries to the Wolverines, but more importantly, given that the Terps were one of the only teams to hang around, one in nearly four of those Michigan rushes was stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage. Maryland, despite giving up all those rushing yards, had a stuff rate of 23.7%. Iowa, the team that was next closest, so to speak, to actually beating Michigan, had a stuff rate of 16.7%. The only team higher than Iowa this season was Rutgers, which had a stuff rate of 19%. Scarlet Knights led Michigan 17-14 at the half last week, thanks in part to a special teams touchdown. But also, at least in the first half, it was giving up some yards, but it was also stonewalling a couple of Michigan runs. Rutgers defense hung in there for 30 minutes at least. It ended up giving up nearly 300 rushing yards on the day, but it dead-ended nearly one in five of those runs too. Even if an opponent is running seemingly at will, you never know when stopping one run in the backfield might be enough to end a drive. Michigan is where it is right now, undefeated, number three in the college football playoff rankings, a nearly 30-point favorite over Nebraska because it doesn't give opponents much hope. A stuff rate of 20% or so offers Nebraska at least a sliver of hope, I think. But this looks like a game where earning even a sliver counts as an upgrade. That's the show for this week. Thanks for listening, and as always, if you like the show, do your podcast chores, rate, review, tell a friend. Better yet, if you want more of this type of content, consider subscribing to Hail Varsity. In addition to access to everything we publish online, you'll also get 11 high-quality issues a year delivered straight to your mailbox. Listeners of this show can get a discount on their subscription by using the promo code I80 at checkout. For more details, visit hailvarsity.com slash subscribe. Talk to you next week. A Hoda Media Production.